When was the last time you were in a place that was completely black? I think it's then when you understand the contrast that we're talking about today and why this phrase is used so much throughout Scripture to represent God, to represent where God wants to be, and that is with us in the light. It's hard for us, as I said, in our society, in this modern age, to even think much about darkness. Uh, we live in the light. It's our houses likely are even not dark, completely dark at night. Uh, we live in an age where there's street lights, where there's headlights on our cars. Uh, you know, baseball is lit. I'm not sure if you know when the first lit baseball game was, but it was 1935, and it was in Cincinnati, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt threw the switch uh, to cut the lights on. Now we watch, what, Friday night lights. Uh, you can even golf with lights. Uh, I've done it before. It wasn't, I still lost golf balls, of course, but uh, that's, that's, light is everywhere for us. I remember sleeping in a room one time that we, I would say was completely dark, where I could not see my hand in front of my face when I went to bed. And I said, this will improve. You know how when you wake up in the middle of the night and your eyes have adjusted, well, I woke up in the middle of the night and, and still couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Uh, but I also had to find the door out, and uh, that was a little episode. It was first time in that room, but uh, you may have an experience like that as well. You know, even when we camp out, we may realize how well lit the sky is with the stars that God provides. But this passage in John chapter 8 and verse 12, there is real significance to why Jesus is calling himself the light of the world at this point in his ministry, knowing what has just happened in the last week prior to that statement. Because what had just finished was called the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. It's one of three annual feasts that the Jews had, and it was a seven-day feast. And it said that that's the, uh, that's the feast that they would uh, celebrate God leading them out of Egypt tabernacles as they would travel in tents and set up as they would go and they'd celebrate uh, God showing the way and so to emphasize what God did for the Israelites at night in the temple court for that entire week they had the, these large candelabras that they some say were about 75 feet tall and they would light these at night and so for a city that's completely dark at night as any city in the first century would be uh, the, the people in that city were able for that week to see that great light uh, at the pinnacle of the city at that time instead of just the normal small candlelit room they may have at night or by oil lamp or, or fire. So it was a very uh, startling week in that regard for them to observe this. And it's in the midst of that that Jesus makes this great statement on the next day after the feast and says, I am the light of the world. And to me, that's an incredible claim after what's just been celebrated. It's actually as though Jesus is making this contrast to say, you know, you, you've noticed the light, right? You've noticed the God, the celebration of God's presence with the Israelites in showing them the way. But you know what? I am the light, and I am the light of the world. And so as we unpack that 
statement just a little, we might even say, what else could Jesus mean by the fact, by saying, I am the light of the world, I am the one to follow? There's at least three things that come to mind for me about what light does. Light exposes. Light shows what you can't see. Secondly, light gives life. Life produces growth. And thirdly, as we said, light does illuminate. Light shows you the direction you're going, especially, obviously, when it's needed. But first of all, perhaps he meant he's the light of the world because light exposes things. Maybe you're like me, you've had a, uh, a building inspector come to your house. And sometimes you really want a good inspection when you're buying a house, right? You want to get the best inspector. When you're selling your house, you kind of say, well, you just take, as soon as you're done, let me know. Uh, I, your check's already written out. But uh, that building inspector, in my experience, always has a large flashlight because he's going to look for things that are not right. That's his job. He's not going to make a list of the things that are wrong. He's going to, of things that are right. He's going to make a list of the things that are wrong. And he's going to get everywhere and shine that light to expose what needs correcting or what needs to be fixed. And I think that's a little bit of what Jesus is meaning here when he says, I am the light of the world. In John 3.16, we're all familiar with the phrase that uh, Jesus gave or was described about him when he gave his only son and so forth. But in verse 19 of John chapter 3, here's what follows. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, and here's why, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So Jesus says he is the true light of the world, and because of that there are going to be people who run to that light, who want that light, whether it exposes the good or bad in their life or not, they know the good that's going to come from, from that happening because He is Lord, He is Savior, and people then will see Him for who He is and what He does. He tells them what's right and wrong. He tells them what's true, what's not true. But this passage says what? It says only some are going to like that. Only some are going to run to Him. And actually, some are going to run from Him. Some are going to run away from Jesus Christ because of the truth that He brings into their life. He exposes who they really are. Maybe you've heard the phrase, you can forgive a child for being afraid of the dark. But the real shame is an adult who's afraid of the light in making this application. Are you afraid right now of the light of Jesus Christ as it shines into your life? But you know, there are people and there are places that have been afraid of the light of Jesus Christ. Did you know that Estonia is one of those places? In 1944, 
Estonia was, quote, rescued from German occupation by Russian occupation. And they hence became part of the Soviet Union for 60 years. For two generations of people were subject to Soviet state doctrine. And one of the doctrines of Soviet, the Soviet Union was atheism. And so atheism was not just a conclusion that someone might come to on their own or maybe based on their family background and so forth, but atheism for 60 years was taught in the schools. It was a subject. Children were taught why there is no God and why there's fallacies in thinking there's anything beyond this life. And so it was taught in the schools. It was taught in the universities. It wasn't just a conclusion that people arrived at on their own. And so the darkness of atheism was taught at truth as truth in that country. And it produced atheists, of course. In fact, a recent survey of the 195 countries of the world, here's a list of the top six that uh, percentage of people in that, those countries who are atheists. And of course, number one is China, which is also a communist country. But unfortunately, we also know who number seven is. Number seven is Estonia. Three out of four people don't just not believe in the Bible. In other words, you can't disagree with them on what the Bible says. You can't even start with the Bible because you have to start with the existence of any kind of God or the God of the Bible. But you know what? There are people who believe and have seen the light of Christ. Here's a picture of people that do. These are your brothers and sisters who've come from the darkness and let the light of the world shine on them, and they are now the church in Tallinn, Estonia. And thanks to people like Roy Sartain in the early 90s and Ron and Judy Warpole, they took the light of the gospel to expose the darkness of atheism in that country. And this morning, as I got up, there on my Facebook tab was the Church of Christ in Estonia in their worship service and them worshiping the same God that we are today and taking communion just like we did. So thank you, McDermott Church, for helping expose the darkness in Estonia to the lives of these people. So first of all, not only does the light expose the darkness, but secondly, light gives life. Light gives life. First John chapter, John 1 and verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, I'm not your person to call if you're planting your garden. Now, I'm not saying I would harm your garden, but I am... Uh, I don't know if there's such a thing as a brown thumb, but I'm not a green thumb. And so uh, those of you who have experience with plants, even in your home or certainly in a garden, know one of the vital ingredients besides just the soil and the water. For a plant to grow, what? It needs light. It needs light. If you plant, put a plant in the darkness, I understand, for just about two weeks, it's going to take away its energy and it's going to take away its growth because light gives life. And what happens when a person 
comes into the light of Jesus Christ and accepts that light and runs to the light, follows that light, then they begin to have that real life. They begin to drink that living water and spiritual transformational growth begins to take place because Jesus' light becomes vital to them. Just as with a small plant, the light is necessary for that plant to grow as a seed. It needs that light. I'd ask you this morning, would you like to give that light to children as they grow in Christ? Or they are exposed for the first time to the stories of the Bible? Would you like to do that? Oh, you are. You are helping provide that light to small seeds of life for children growing up in Haiti. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And every school that we support in Haiti teaches the Bible to these kids every day. They pray together every day. They sing songs. Those kids know that every Sunday there's a church meeting in that school with them. And a summer camp shares the light of Jesus to teenagers every summer that the these schools and orphanages impact. And over the last two years, there's been 50 baptisms that take place at these camps for these young teenagers. You see, light not only exposes the darkness, but light gives life. And thank you, McDermott Road, for giving light to these children as they grow in Christ. And also, light illuminates. Light guides, it directs, it shows the way. I don't know why. Maybe there was the group of guys I was with, but when I was in high school, we'd drive around and we'd pack a car. We'd have six of us in a car, you know, three in the front, three in the back. And the guy in the middle, back then you could reach over and cut the headlights off a car from the driver. And we, that would happen almost every time we'd go out and do something. And the driver would kind of go crazy a little bit when he loses his way and See how long you can drive that way. Those are funny things to me <laughs> that we would do. But I wonder now, how did I survive for 50 years without a global positioning system, right? I, I don't go anywhere now without plugging in the GPS. And Laura says, well, you know the way. I said, yeah, but you know, there might be a wreck and it'll direct me around to a better way and... We need directions for everything, don't we? You know, you can't buy anything now without directions. A Rowenta iron, the directions say, never iron clothes while they are being worn. <laughs> Nightall sleep aid. One of the warnings is it may cause drowsiness. <laughs> and I get Consumer Reports, a monthly magazine. I like reading the latest technology and so forth, and they have a section called recalls. What's being recalled? Bissell Wetbacks in the last issue is recalling 61,000 cordless multi-service wet dry vacuums. And here's what it says, because the battery pack can overheat and catch on fire, what to do? Stop using the vacuum. Okay. You know, Seriously, 
we do need directions, don't we? That's why, as we said, a runway has lights on it. That's why your car does have headlights. We want to know the way, and in the midst of that need and that desire, for my spiritual direction, Jesus is calling out to me and to us and saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What will guide you will be the light of life. I will show the way. Yes, I will expose darkness. And yes, I'll give growth to you. But I will also share you where you need to go and tell you what to do. C.S. Lewis has this quote, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. And the light of Jesus is what's been constantly shown in the Rio Grande Valley in churches you have been supporting for just about 20 years now. In fact, it's illustrated by Jorge Rico, the shorter man that read our scripture for us today in Spanish. As I said, Jorge was asked to go preach for a new congregation. They wanted to start a new church in what's called the Maquilladoras, these communities that they build these new homes for factory workers in northern Mexico. And the church, with our support, bought one of the homes and turned that home into a church building. Uh, just the one of the room in the home they used for that. And the rooms were not large at all. And here's the first Sunday in 2015. Jorge is standing here at the pulpit. You see his Bible? Jorge's ready to preach. I can tell right now he's ready to go. That's his wife and two daughters. His wife is wearing the white coat. And you know what? Jorge has one visitor on the first Sunday. He's taking a picture of the congregation for his first Sunday. But you know, Jorge, if there's anyone who believes the passage that he read for us, it's him. That's that great passage in Isaiah 55. He says, my word is going to accomplish that for which I purpose. And it will succeed in the thing for which it is sent. It says, you'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break before you into singing. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands because of what you're doing with the word of God. What you're trying to do to show people the way. And it did. Jorge knocked doors. Jorge baptized people. Those people told people about the church. And in 2018, they outgrew this little building. Here's the church today that Jorge is preaching for. They had to build a two-story building to hold all the folks now worshiping there. You know, there's a story of a grandfather walking in the woods with his young grandson. And he, as he enters the woods, he asks the young man, do you know where we're going? And the grandson says, no, I don't know where we're going. So they get deep into the woods. And he says, do you know where we are? The grandson says, no. He says, well, I guess you're lost, aren't you? And he looks up and says, I'm not lost. I'm with you. Brothers and sisters, you may not know what is going to happen tomorrow, and we don't. Jorge on this Sunday had one visitor at the church that he was going to begin. And he may be asking, where is this going? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen next Sunday? 
And I don't know what's around the next corner, but here's what you can know, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and if you follow that light, you will never be lost. He will show the way. You know, we read that pillar, we talked about that pillar of light that was shining and guiding and showing the way even in darkness. And that's what Jesus wants us to believe with the life that we have in Christ. It's what Jesus wants to do for the McDermott congregation. It's what he wants to do in Estonia and in Nicaragua and in Haiti and in South Texas and Mexico. He wants to show the way through darkness. But here's the thing. It is one person at a time. One person at a time. In fact, this morning, you may be the one sitting here saying, I'm in that darkness. My life is messed up. I don't think I can fix what's wrong with my life or the darkness that's in my family. And you're asking, how can I get back into that life? How can I undo this? Maybe even how can I get forgiveness for what I'm doing or what I've done? And you may think that it's not possible. People are telling you, you can't fix this. But Jesus is saying, there's hope for you and your future, and you can be forgiven, and you can get up and you can move forward. I know you can. And you may be saying, well, Mark, how do you know that? Well, I have the perfect illustration, and it's right here in John chapter 8. And John chapter 8, as we said, is the very next day after the Feast of Tabernacles. And just prior to verse 12, here's what takes place. We're going to read this together. Remember, this is the week of light that's been given to the whole city. And there's great darkness, however, that's in the life of one person. It says, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. It wasn't just a rumor. She'd been caught in the act. And in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And they were using this as a trap, this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now what's going on in this lady's life right now? You talk about shame and guilt and darkness and sin and the effect it's had on her. She's probably thinking, I'm going to die for my sin. My life is coming to an end. Well, the passage continues. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he scooped down and rolled on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there, just Jesus and the woman. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave 
your life of sin. You know what the next verse is? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To the darkness of sin, Jesus is the light of forgiveness. To the darkness of guilt, Jesus is the light of truth. To the darkness of grief, He's the light of joy. To the darkness of death, He's the light of life. And if you want to follow that light in your life today, as it says, you have to do more than just look at it. Jesus said you have to follow Him. You know, church, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law look straight at the light of light day after day. But not a ray of light pierced their souls, did it? And so this morning we're asking, has it ours? Has Jesus gotten through to you? And you know what else is interesting about this claim of Jesus? When He says, I am the light of the world. In Matthew 5.15, He says, you, you are the light of the world. How can that be? Well, to me, it's like looking at the moon. You know, we'll walk at night and we'll say, wow, isn't the moon bright tonight? Look how the moon is shining. Maybe like me, you've walked in the forest at night and actually seen moonbeams coming through trees. And you'd say, wow, it sure is producing a big glow. But you know what's wrong with saying that, don't you? The moon has no light of its own. It simply reflects the light of the sun. And so I'd ask this morning, what about you? At your home, with your family, at work, with your neighbors, are you reflecting the light of Jesus? Right here at McDermott Road, are we being the light of the world? Are we being brighter together here? Are we being brighter together out there? Are we being brighter together across the world and showing the light of Jesus? And so today, we have an invitation song that we sing. If you're in that darkness, are you ready to say yes to the light of the world? We have an opportunity to pray for each other every Sunday, and you can take advantage of that by sharing with us here this morning. You can step into the prayer room. But you know, the real darkness is when you're outside of Christ, when there indeed is, is no hope for you because you've not accepted the life of following Him and become one of His disciples. And you can do that today by being baptized into Christ, by having your sins washed away. We can do that this morning. You could let me know you want to be back here at 2 o'clock today. You want to be here at midnight tonight because you want the light of Jesus in your life. You can make that decision this morning. What a blessing it is to think about the efforts that we do together in so many places. But let's always think of ourselves and where we are and what we need to do on an individual basis.